This is our second session now on 1 Thessalonians 2, 5-8. Let me summarize where we went last time. So we jumped back to the previous paragraph where Paul says, Our appeal was not from error, not from impurity, and that means sexual impurity, probably, not in deceit and not as pleasing men. And then back to our paragraph here. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, neither seeking glory from you or others, from people, whether you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And I took all of these negations. These are eight things that he says he did not pursue or did not act like. And I summarized them in this table. He didn't act from error. He was not indifferent to the truth. He renounced indifference to the truth. He didn't pursue impurity, that is, sex. He renounced these three strategies, deceit, people-pleasing, flattery. He did not pursue greed, that is, money. He wasn't after glory for men, that is, human praise. And he wasn't throwing his authority around. And I put this one in italics like these, but I didn't underline it because it seems to me that this is an example of both goal and method. A goal renounced and a method renounced. In other words, the method would be, I'm going to use my authority as an apostle, and I'm basing that on this statement right here, we could have made demands as an apostle. I could have made that one of my means and abused that power in order to heighten the value of my flattery and my people-pleasing and in deceit get the sex and the money and the praise I want. Or it could have the emphasis of I could take my authority and seize lots of power because power itself is such a sinfully gratifying feeling along with the praise of man and getting rich and satisfying your sexual desires in illicit ways. And I said we'd come back to this now, and I've come back and I just want to focus on this one and ask about, now why would he renounce the use of his authority that way. So he says, I didn't come seeking the glory of people, whether you or others. And then he fastens on one particular way he might have gotten glory, namely, we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Now, I'm going to take up this problem next time, because this we here is Sylvanus and Timothy. And he calls them apostles. So are they apostles in the same sense that Paul is? That's an issue we need to deal with. I'll deal with it next time, Lord willing. I just want to focus for now on this amazing renunciation of legitimate power. Right? So we could have 
made demands. Literally, we could have been a weight in our apostleship. And sometimes people take that to mean we could have been a financial burden to you. But coming right after seeking my own glory, it seems to me he's talking about a weight of authority that he could have thrown around. And Paul renounces that. Now, to feel the force of that, we need to see how remarkable his authority was, because he could have used it and he wouldn't have been sinning. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 14.37. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. Wow. That's an incredible claim to authority in the early church. Paul's apostolic authority takes precedence over prophetic claims and spiritual claims, and anybody who doesn't acknowledge that he's speaking for the Lord is just not recognized. That's what we're dealing with here when we read, we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. I could have, instead of assuming a gentle role among you, like a nursing mother, I could have assumed the role of a king, a governor, an authority with rights and powers. Now, why does he not do that? Since he has that right and power, apostles really can make demands. Let me give you a little background that I think explains this. Here's Jesus, the last night of his life. A dispute arose among them, namely the apostles, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Okay, This is all about the praise of man and wielding your power and your greatness in order to get lots of attention and be somebody. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. So now there is a use of power that you could say is legitimate because they're kings for goodness sakes. And he says, well, that's the way kings of earth use their kingship. And those in authority are called benefactors. So they puff themselves up because they're wealthy and you have to come and bow and scrape to them to get what you need. But not so with you. Even though an apostle has more authority than a king in the spiritual realm. Not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader among you as one who serves. All right? Now, that's what we see going on in Thessalonica, right? He could have thrown his weight around or he could become like a nursing mother. For who is the greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I, setting you an example, am among you as one who serves. There was no doubt when Jesus bound the towel around himself and started washing the apostles' feet, there was no doubt in that room who the leader was. This is not an abandoning of leadership. This is an abandoning of lording it over type leadership. So Paul knew this about his Lord. We know he knew it because he wrote this, 
in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, so he had every right of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped and held on to. I've got to have this display of power. But he emptied himself. Now, that's the model that he set. And that's what Paul was doing in Thessalonica. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, Thessalonica, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the Christ that Paul knew and loved, and that's the Christ who saved him. That's the Christ who set the ministry pattern for people with power. And then, Look at this amazing statement in Philemon 8 and 9. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you, that's exactly the same reasoning as in 1 Thessalonians 2, 6. He says, I could have demanded you. I could have made demands of you Thessalonians. I'm bold enough, Philemon, that I could command you to do what's required. But yet, for love's sake, I prefer an appeal, not a command. Isn't that amazing? So even though he has every right to make commands, and if it comes down to it, sometimes he wields this authority in a very forceful way, it's not his preference, it's not his modus operandi as he spreads the gospel. Because he wants to set an otherworldly, Christ-like pattern, so he uses appeals. Why? I'll end with this, 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. My power, so the power of Jesus, is made perfect in your weakness. Okay? So if Paul lives to magnify the power of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the glory of Christ, not his own power, wisdom, glory, then weakness is going to be a choice that he makes. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I'm not going to come bragging, throwing my weight around in Thessalonica. I'm going to come like a nursing mother, he says. We'll talk about that in a couple of sessions, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want the power of Christ to be manifest, not mine. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong in the sense that I am able to show the strength of Christ. So we come back now to this statement, we could have made demands as the apostles of Christ, but we don't because we want to renounce worldly uses of power. We're not going to use this power to try to flatter people, please people, deceive people, get sex, get money, get praise. We're done with this because we know Jesus. And we're doing his work in his way.